I'm starting again already. Mm. Something in this pulpit. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Something here. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, I had a blessing this morning about 4 o'clock. I have my best preaching times about 4 to 6. I preach to myself. You know, Scripture says he gives us, he's got a, to those that overcome, he gives a new name that's written on a white stone. And only him and us know it. And you know why is that? Because this old Dorman's not who this life really is. I have a new name that he's given me. And I just asked him, I said, what is my new name? And he says, your new name means enlightened. I don't know what the name is, but I know what it means. It means enlightened. Woo! Have you ever asked him? He said, you'd know. Only you and him would know. Have you ever asked? Try it. Enlightened. I don't know what the name is, but I know what it means. But you know, if I knew the name and didn't know what it means, it's just be a name. Right? So it's better to know what it means than what it is. Anyhow, just thought I'd throw that out. Oh, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the time today. We ask you to open our ears. And I just come against every deaf and dumb devil that would keep us from hearing the message today. And Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would just open our ears, open our hearts, and let us receive the incorruptible word of God into their hearts that it bring forth life for the kingdom. And Lord, I ask that this word would be a word of exchange for every one of us so that we may be a partaker of your divine nature. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to talk about touch with our infirmities. How many of you know he's touched with our infirmities? You may not know how much he's touched, but he is touched. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that's passed into the heavens, Jesus Christ, let us hold fast our our profession or confession, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have not a high priest that's not touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted. You know, we don't have a high priest that's a, as a priest of God. He came as a man just like you and I. Did you know he had the same spirit, soul, and body we have? He didn't take upon himself the nature of angels or God. He took him on, on the seed of Abraham. Why? Why? So he could be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. The only difference between him and us is he didn't sin. Now get it. He could have. You know that word, he was tempted in all points? It means he was tried. He was proven He was tested by soliciting to sin. Did you know every thought, everything that you or me could ever possibly think or imagine coming through his mind to sin? Do you know why? Because the devil is a tempter. You know, and and, and I know some of you are looking at me kind of strange, but I want to tell you why. He had to be tempted with everything we could ever possibly be tempted so he could be a merciful and faithful high priest concerning the things so we could come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Every point, every point. And this says there's no temptation, First Corinthians, that's been taken you, but such is common to man. 
common to man. But God will, with that temptation, make a way of escape so that you can stand it. Why? He's already been there. He's already done that. Without sin. I'm telling you, he was in all points tempted like we, yet without sin. So we can come to him in time of need so he can help us in that time of need. You know, the devil wants to isolate everybody and say, well, he wasn't tempted with what you're tempted with. Give me a break. What part of all points do we not understand? I got my own little world, but he took on everybody's little world. He didn't leave out anything. You know, when Satan came to him, said in Matthew 4, he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Tempted. And then the tempter came. That's the same Greek word. Being tempted and the tempter is the same. When you're tempted, who's tempting you? And Jesus was tempted in his flesh, if you be the son of God. Command these stones that they may be bred. Then he takes him up into a high temple and shows him everything, all the... And he says, cast yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning you. He said, no, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. (coughs) Soul and spirit, if you be the son of man, if you be, if you be. How many times has he said that to you? If you be, you wouldn't be thinking like this. If you are, you wouldn't think like this. Being tempted is not a sin. It's giving in to those temptations that cause you to sin. Jesus didn't do that. If you be the Son of God, worship me. He showed him all the glory of this world and all the pure violence of it and said, it's mine, and I'll give it to you if you'll worship me. Jesus said he's written, you shall worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you serve. He took it. Hebrews chapter 2 says, for verily he took not, verse 14 Verily he took not upon himself the nature of angels. Let me just turn there since I'm already here. Oh, thank you, Lord. How did I do that? I'll get there. Verse 14, I'll read it. For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he likewise himself took part of the same. What? The same. That through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to what? Bondage. Verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took upon himself the seed of what? Abraham. The seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brother, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation or exchange, is that word, for the sins of his people. For that he himself has suffered being what? Tempted. He is able to... That word succor means to relieve them that are being tempted. He's been there. He's done it. So what do we do? We come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may find grace to help what? In time of need. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, For God made Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin. What does that say? Jesus became sin for us who knew no sin. That we could be exchanged for the very righteousness of God. In him, we are the very righteousness of God. He took our sin so he could make us righteous. And if any man is in Christ, he's a what? New creation. Message says gets a fresh start. Spirit, soul, and body. That ain't a bad deal, is it? Philippians chapter 2. Just hang with me today. We're going to cover some ground. Oh. 
Let's start in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, you know he was God. What did he say, Tom? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men completely. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Because of that, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name. There's more in that name than you realize. I'm telling you there's more in that name than you realize, which is above every name. Above what? Every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in the things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because he humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. You know, First Peter 4, 1 says this, For as much then as Christ, Christ verse 1, For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind. For he that has suffered in his flesh has ceased from sin. So that he don't live the rest of his life in the sin of man, but to the glory of God. There is a suffering with putting away that old man that needs to happen. Christ suffered for us so we could suffer in the flesh so we could live like him. Is that a good deal or what? That's why he gave us the authority to do that. He chose to do that. He chose to take all that on himself yet without sin. Now, in John chapter 6, 38, it says, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will. Any of you know he had a will just like ours? His soul was just like mine. He had a will. But he said, I came down from heaven not to do that but to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You know, I think that's the most magnificent part of Jesus' walk that blows me away other than everything he did because he walked this thing through to the death and he had a will where he could have used it at any time not to do what hurt him and cost him pain and cost him blood. In every point, he chose not to do his own will but the will of him that sent me and to finish the work he gave me to do. I'm telling you, if we fully understand all the impact of what he did to make us who we are, it's incredible. No wonder they stood amazed. No wonder, you know, he didn't. He taught them as one having authority. Why? Because he had authority. And he earned that authority through the things he suffered. Amen? You know, Jesus, that's why Jesus said, if any man will come after me, what is his first thing? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And follow me. Deny yourself. That's that old thing. Take up your... For whosoever will save his life, or soul is that word, will lose it. But whosoever shall lose his soul, what? Will find it. Take up your cross daily and follow me. For what does it profit a man if he gain this whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange? There's your exchange. Barter. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What are you bartering your soul off for? Huh? What are you trading your soul off for? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's your life. It's who you think you are. But the only life we really have is in him. Everything's in him and what he's done for us. Look with me in John chapter 10. I think I told you we was going to go there. John chapter 10, a week or so ago. Jesus said in John 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. You know, he says in verse 13, a hireling flees because he's a hireling, doesn't care for the sheep. 
but I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I'm known of mine. And as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He lays down his what? That word life is soul. Every time you see that word life, you better check it. It's soul. He laid down his soul for the sheep. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I must bring in. They will hear my voice, and there will be one fold and one shepherd. That's us. That's Ezekiel thirty-four twenty-three. Therefore doth my Father love me. Why? Listen. Why does my Father love me? Catch it. Therefore does my Father love me. Why? Because I lay down my soul. Listen, that I might take it again. Except that kernel of wheat, John twelve twenty-four, fall in the ground and die. It abides alone. But if it dies, three days preaching in hell, if it die, then it's resurrected in the newness of life. Father loves me because I laid down my soul to death. And then what he says, that I may take it up again. Stay with me. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power, exousia, authority, to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And you know what? As the Father sent me, so send I you, he said. And he says, the scripture says, as he is in this world, so are we. And if he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for what? One another. This same authority that Jesus is talking about, he said, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall any means hurt you. All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. The same authority that God gave Jesus has been given to us to lay down our old and to pick up the new. We have authority to lay down one and we have authority to take up the new. It's been given to us of him. It's not just about him. That's why many times he started out with if you save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it, you preserve it. Luke 17, that word preserves, make it alive. You've got to lose before you get. You've got to give before you get. And see, you have, you have authority. <clears throat> we have been given that authority to lay it down and to take it up. Is that good news? All right. Let me see where I'm at. Boy, I jumped through a lot of them right there. But I want you to see something. It's a challenge. He's saying. You know, in Deuteronomy 30, 19, he says, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day that I've set before you what? Life and death, cursing, blessing and cursing. Choose life that both you and your seed may live. We have a choice to choose life or death every day. I can get in the old man and die every day or I can get in the new man and live. It's a choice. So that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice and that you may cleave unto him for he is thy life. Did you catch that? The only life we have is Christ's life. And length of days. Joshua 21, 14, 15 says, Choose ye this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Every day, your house, you have a choice. Every day when you get out of bed, you have a choice which man you're going to live in. You have power to lay one down, and you have power to take one up. He has given you that authority. And responsibility to choose life and not death. Amen? You know, in Romans chapter 8, let's look at that. 
Romans 8. Every day. I want you to see this everyday thing. You know the journey is the destination? I want you to get that. You're always looking for a destination. I want to tell you this Christian life, all you have is today. All you'll ever have is today. And today is the day of what? Salvation. All you'll ever have in this, in this journey, this destination, the journey is your destination. It's not always out there. It's today. This is the day that the Lord hath made, and this is it. Amen. Romans 8. Look with me in verse 26. Talking about the Spirit helps our infirmities. We know not what we should pray for as we ought. The Spirit makes intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, that's us, say me, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. To what? The image of his Son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he called. And whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he glorified. What have we been called to do? To conform to the image of his son. Every day, guys, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow into that image. Every day, 2 Corinthians 3.18, we beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being changed into the same Image. What image? Same image as by the Spirit of the Lord. And in 1 John it says, As he is, so are we now in this present world. Listen, saints, we've been given authority and power we don't even know we have. Dealing with ourselves and dealing with the enemy. We've been given it. But see, it's a daily thing. Every day I should be a little more conformed to him than I was the day before. I remember Bob Mumford said one of these days, when we stand before the judgment seat, when we see that, the judgment is how much did we conform to that image we were set before us? How much did we conform while we was here? See, you're born of a new seed. But how many of you know that new seed has to be fed? It has to be watered. And as newborn babes desire the sincere what? Milk of the word that you may grow thereby. In Second Peter chapter 1, verse 1, says it's been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these promises that he's given us, we may be a partaker of his divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that's in the world through the old man's lust. And besides this, give diligence. Add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, God, and his patience, brotherly kindness, and charity. Add them too. Why? Do the promise. Will you get it? Right here. By faith. For if these things be in you and abound... They make you that you need to be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of God, but he that lacketh these things <clears throat> is blind. Cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was even purged from his old sins. So be diligent to make your calling and your election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never fall. For so that entrance will be ministered to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Peter said, <clears throat> and he said, I know you know this. But as long as I'm in this body, I'm going to stir you up on a regular basis so you can remember to do this. It's my job to stir you up by way of remembrance so you to do this. Amen? Sometimes we need to be stirred up to remember these things. Amen? Hallelujah. Paul said in Galatians 4, 15 and 
and 14 and 15. Let me just turn there. I'm going awful fast. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I'll try to slow up. It's so hard. 16. Verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory, saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world was crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. But the only thing that really matters is a new creature. You know, really nothing in this whole thing matters but that new creation that can only come from being in him. That's all that matters. Everything else really doesn't matter a bit. You believe that? Oh, hallelujah. Boy, did we hit a roll right there. Now look with me in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus spake and said to them, All power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Now I want you to think something. How much power did he say? All power has been given to him where? In heaven and on earth. Did you realize that Jesus has all authority in heaven? Jesus has all authority on earth. How much is all power? It's all of it. And he says, All power has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. You teach them first. After you teach them, then you baptize them. Why do we baptize anybody? It's a grave. What do you do? You're burying that old man. Bury that rascal. Kill him dead. And then he says what? Then in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Listen. Do you know what that word name really means? You really See, a while ago when I told you something, he didn't tell me that new name. Sometimes we have a tendency to just want to think about a name. But what's behind that name? Do you know what that name really means? It means character. It means authority. It means power. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, the character, the deutimus, the exousia. You baptize them in the name or the authority of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. What is that authority? Catch it. That name is more than a name. You baptize them in that character, and all, all authority has been given to me, and it's been given to me of my Father to do something with it. I give it to you, Kent, to do something with it. It's not just a name. It's in a character. It's an authority. It's a responsibility. It's a privilege. As a new creation, as he is, so are we to do something with that name and that authority. I want you to do something with me. Look with me in Daniel chapter 7. Rod, can you do this for me? That way I don't have to, to look at them. Give me a Daniel 7, 13. Is that too hard? Okay. I saw a night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, came to the Ancient of Days, the Father, and they brought him near before him. Next verse. And there was given him dominion and glory and the kingdom. And all the people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom that shall, that which shall not be destroyed. Did you catch the power of this kingdom that's been given to him? Every nation, every tongue, everyone. He has authority over all nations. And his dominion is without end forever. That's what we're talking about. 
Matthew eleven twenty seven. I don't know how many of these to look at. Uh, a few. And there was given, okay, and all things are delivered unto me of my Father. How many things? In heaven and in earth. All authority has been given him in heaven and earth. And no man knoweth the Son, but the Father neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomever the Son will reveal him. In Matthew sixteen twenty-eight, I want you to hear the authority behind him. Now that's that name we've been given. That's that authority that the Father has given me. I have given you to go do something with that name. It's more than just a name. Verily I say to you, there will be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the come man, Son of Man coming in his kingdom, his power, his authority. That's what he's saying, his, his uh, glory, his kingdom authority. All right, look at Luke one thirty-two. Oh, yes. He shall be great, the Son of God, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. What's God going to give him? The throne of his father David. And he will rule and reign. Now listen, we're seated with him. He wants us to rule and reign now, Pam. He wants us to act like sons and daughters act now with his authority, that name he's given us. Do you know why in the book of Acts when you see they walk by this man, they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, and he bounced up. And they said, what are you looking at us for? We didn't do nothing. All we did was use the authority that goes behind that name and said, rise and walk, and he rose and walked. Until we get past just what a name is till we understand what that name means, we're not going to see nothing happen. There's something behind that name. The devil can call his name, but the devil doesn't have the authority to use that name. We've been given the authority that's behind that name. Don't shout me down. John 3.35. Why am I doing this? I want to reemphasize over and over his authority. The Father loves the Son and has given what in his hands? How much is all things? What is all? What's left? It's all. You with me? All right, John 5.22. The Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment to the Son. How much judgment? All. God's not going to be judging us in that day. And you know what else Jesus said? I'm not going to judge you in that day. The words that I've already spoken to you will judge you in that day. You want to look at judgment now? Read the red. Go ahead and read the red. Meditate on the red. There it is. It's already there. John 13, 3. I get a little excited. I can't help it. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given what? All things into his hand. That he was come from God and he went to God. All authority. I'm telling you, saints, when we realize, when he said all authority has been given to me, and he says, I have authority to lay it down, I have authority to pick it up, this commandment have I received of my Father. And he said to you and to me, all authority has been given to me. You go therefore in my name and you do what I did. And greater works will you do because I go and sit down at the right hand of the Father interceding in your behalf. I think it's time for us to do more works than he did. It ain't going to happen until you start believing who you are and what you are here for. And who you are and what's behind you.
that name that's above every name, that authority is standing behind you ready. What was the last one? We get 13-3? All right, give me 17-2 and then we'll, we'll quit. i got a bunch more, but that's probably enough. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. What? All flesh? How much flesh? Does that leave out any flesh? That leaves none out. He has all authority and all power. And he's been given to us. Now look with me in Ephesians 4.22. Now what is our responsibility? Oh, man. I like it. I don't know if y'all do or not, but I like it. Verse 17, this I say, therefore, testifying the Lord that you henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, their old mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life Zoe that's in God through ignorance that's in them because of the blindness of their heart. What? Blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling had given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all cleanness with greediness. That's the old man. But you've not learned Christ. He said, you don't know who you are. And he says, if so be that you've heard of him and been taught by him, the truth is in Jesus. Now this I say, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. That old man will never be anything but corrupt with deceitful lust. Ever. And be renewed, renovated. What does the word renovate mean? To tear out. Tear out the old and put the new in. It says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So put away lying, speaking every man. Listen, I'm telling you here. What am I saying right here? I'm telling you what Jesus said. I've given you Steve Power to lay that old man down. And I've given you power to put the new man on. And you have that responsibility. That's what he's saying. You have power to put him off and you have power to put it on. Isn't that what Paul was saying? He said, you need to put off this and you need to put on that. You have that authority, you have that power and you to do it. Amen? Oh my Lord, help me Jesus, that you put on a new man. And then Colossians say, 3 and 9 says, Lie not one to another. Sin you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge of him after God, after the one that created him. I'd read verse 14, but I won't. Let me read what we're in Ephesians, Ephesians 1. Aren't you glad I'm excited about this? Paul said he's made known to us the mystery of his will, verse 9, according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation the fullness of times he might gather and together in one all things in Christ, both which in heaven which are in the earth, even in him, in whom we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. It was his purpose to bring all of this about in our lives so he could do it. And it says, in whom we trusted after you heard the word of truth of the gospel, after you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest. And I'm telling you, he goes on and tells us what all we are in Christ. Amen? Now Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am what? I am the resurrection and I am the life. 
Not only is he the resurrection, he's alive. Now in you and I, you and I, we have resurrection and we have life. But you can have resurrection and have no life. You can be born and still not have life. But he said, I've come that you might have what? Life. Now he says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are what? Told the disciples, you're going to go away? No, you have the words of life. What is the words of life? It's this right here. These promises that's been given to you so that you can have life. And what is your responsibility? To take that word and eat that life and add it to your faith so you can have life. Narrow is the way that leads to what? Few there be that find it. Oh, there's a lot of people going to go to heaven. But there's not a lot of people that's going to have life. Here. I've come that you might have life now and have it abundantly. He wants us to rule and reign here. He wants us to enjoy this thing and, you know, take back some of the stuff the tempter's been doing all these years. Are you with me? He is the resurrection and he is alive. So if he lives in me, that resurrection and that life is living in me and you, right? That's not complicated. It says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. We have no, like Steve said, I'm glad he's getting a revelation of this. I'm sure glad, Steve. There is no life apart from him. There is nothing apart from him. If you think you have anything apart from him, you're missing it. The only thing you have is you're in him and he's in you. And if that's the case, everything he is, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you and you are complete in him. What part of complete do we not understand? We need a revelation of who we are in him. It'll change the way we act and the way we think. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Because 1 John 4, 17, you need to get that down. Here is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Now. What is he now? Look at the first chapter of Revelation if you want to see how he is now. He's not the one that got beat up and, and hung on the cross and is in the tomb. It's not that one hanging on the cross. It's that one when John that laid on his breast all the time and said, I'm the disciple he loved. When he saw him, he fell as dead. That's the one we're talking about as he is, so are we. When I saw him, he nearly died. That's the new creation. That's the one, that's the lion. The lion and the what? The lamb laid down his life. But I'm telling you, that lion is going to come back one of these days. He's not coming back as a lamb. He's coming back as a lion. And we're coming back with him to rule and reign. Why don't we start now? Jesus is sitting down at the right hand of the Father expecting all his enemies to be made his footstool. Who's he looking to do that, Lee? He's expecting us to do something with it. As the Father sent me, so send I you. Whosoever sins you remit, to remit it. Whosoever sins you retain, to retain. What's he saying? Your responsibility to go out there and tell people, I've already dealt with sin. It's finished. And that's part of the old life, and they don't have to be there anymore. You can remit that, old, that sin by just telling them they have a new life in me. Exchange. Go tell them to exchange. And whosoever sins you get exchanged, they're exchanged. We have that. 
Now, if you see your brother sin a sin which is not unto death, you shall ask life for that sin not unto death, and it will be granted to you. What's he saying? That's pretty heavy. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I ain't even going to comment on that one. But I didn't write it. Huh? Oh. Oh, well. I think you're getting it. Huh? Which one? First John five sixteen. Mm-hmm. You know, Galatians six one says, "If you see a brother sin, a sin which is not death." Says, "If any man fall, you which are spiritual, restore such a one, in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted." Now that word in amplifies it says this: "If anyone falls into sin, you which are spiritual, first restore him, then reinstate him, set him right, set him right." Restore him and reinstate him. Did you catch it? Why is that so complicated? You know, I, I read this thing this week with Rick Joyner, working with, with uh, Todd Bentley, trying to get him restored. They really don't know how. They're trying. And, and you know, you know that he talked about entering into that rest, labored to enter into that rest. He said, you know, laboring to enter into that rest is awful hard. Because we really don't know how to do it. But I'm telling you, you know how you do it? Exchange. It ain't a matter of a long, drawn-out affair. It's a matter of putting off the old and putting on the new. Ooh, don't get me started. (laughs) That's what Jesus did for us. I think it was that quick when he took our sin and gave us his righteousness. I don't think it took him a long time. Why do we think it takes years to get somebody re- restored? I'll tell you why. Because we're trying to restore that old incorruptible nature that can never be cr- changed. has to be exchanged. Oh, thank you, Lord. Well, I think I'm through. Father, we thank you for this word. And Lord, we ask you to find place in our heart. You've given us a tremendous task to go and make disciples and teach them the exchange life. Lord, they don't have to be defeated and beat up. Lord, I ask you to help us see who we are and, wh- and whose we are. And Lord, let us begin to set the captive free. Let us see that by one offering, you have perfected forever those that are sanctified. And through that one offering, you dealt with sin forever. And it's finished. So we don't have to deal with it anymore. I thank you, Lord, for revelation of all that so we can be effective in the last days we got here on earth. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.